Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. A major incident has been declared in London as fires burn across the UK with temperatures exceeding 40 degrees Celsius. For the first time, we'll bring you the very latest in the UK capital shortly. Boulevard of Broken Public Transport. How safe do you feel using public transport services in Ireland? Like if there was more police, we might protect the public. And later, Benefer. Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck tied the knot this week, but was the Hollywood superstar correct to take her husband's name? As always, join the conversation on Twitter with your comments. Hashtag TonightVMTV. First tonight, heatwave fires across the UK have been declared major incidents as a temperature above 40 degrees Celsius was recorded for the first time. A little earlier, I spoke to the former Sky correspondent Enda Brady and I began by asking him about the heatwave that the country is experiencing. Well, Kieran, it's been a record-breaking day across Britain. So we hit 40.2 Celsius at Heathrow Airport in West London, and then it went marginally higher, 40.3 Celsius in a place called Coningsby in Lincolnshire over in the east of England. But the headlines, and I think all the pictures in tomorrow's papers will be dominated by what's happened in London and Greater London. Uh, in Raynham in East London, there was a fire that started out in a field and the, the grass was just scorched. It quickly spread to properties and at least five houses in that street there, Sandy Road in Raynham in the east of London, have been destroyed. So absolutely shocking scenes. And there were wildfires in other parts of the capital as well, in Pinner in northwest London. There was problems in the northeast of London and London Fire Brigade really, really stretched. And the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, just urging people not to have barbecues, just to, to behave really. And there's no suggestion that any of this is wrongdoing, but ultimately the earth here is absolutely like a tinderbox. It is scorched to bits, 40 Celsius today, 38 yesterday, and thankfully we get a respite tomorrow. It has just been unbelievably hot. And are those fires, are they now under control? Yeah, they're under control, but it's taken a huge amount of resources from London Fire Brigade to come out and sort this out. I mean, these are the kind of scenes that, you know, you normally see in Australia or central France at the peak of summer. And it's coming here for the first time ever we've seen scenes like these. So significant problems. The UK government has gone into COBRA mode twice in recent days. This is when there's a crisis. They call a COBRA meeting. And would you believe that Boris Johnson did not turn up back-to-back COBRA meetings, he was not seen at either of them. Uh, And he has formed for this because when the pandemic was starting, he missed the first five COBRA meetings to do with COVID. 
and 10 days later he was in intensive care himself so you get the impression that because he's heading out of office now he doesn't really care um, but other people are making decisions and they've had to today it has been a crisis in some places uh, is there any indication that uh, those who covet boris johnson's job that they are taking it sufficiently seriously well, look, they're very busy campaigning behind the scenes. It's been a big day. Uh, four has been reduced down to three. So we have two women, Penny Mordaunt uh, and Liz Truss, and the front runner, certainly amongst the Conservative politicians, Rishi Sunak. But it's going to be spun on its head in the next 24 hours because three will become two. Sunak will stay in there. And the likelihood is it could be Liz Truss. And I think the bad news for Sunak is the polling amongst the members of the Conservative Party puts her way, way ahead of him. So we'll have a new British Prime Minister on September the 5th. And all the indications are that if Liz Truss makes the final two, she will get the nod from the membership. And remember, it's Conservative Party members who can vote. There are 160,000 of them who will choose the next Prime Minister here out of a population of 68 million. All right. Before I let you go, what's the temperature there now, Enda? It's 24 Celsius here tonight. Um, uh, last night was the hottest night in British history. And I made the mistake here of sleeping upstairs last night. I think I'll be down in the kitchen tonight. I'll sleep out in the garden, Enda. It's the only thing for us. <laughs> Might have to. All right, my thanks to Enda Brady. Now, here at home, temperatures remained high today, but is our heat wave officially over? For more on this, we are joined by the head of forecasting at Metair and Evelyn Cusack. Well, Evelyn, is that it? Hi, Kieran. Yeah, it, that's it for the very high temperatures. The 33 degrees yesterday, 27, 28 today. Tomorrow, back to a much more pleasant 20 degrees. And look, um, the transition uh, came today. A weather front came in from the Atlantic, and as it clashed with the really hot, humid air, we got that thunder and lightning. They uh, uh, sparks in the air. So that's moved away now. So we're into the somewhat fresher Atlantic air. Thanks be to God, say, say most of us. And in fact, it's good news. So for Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, Kieran, the weather looks pretty pleasant. Uh, some nice summer sunshine around temperatures 20, 21, 22, much more manageable. Now for the weekend, uh, a bit more showery as more Atlantic air pushes in. But overall, for next week as well, it looks like some nice summer weather. So thank God I say that we've lost the heat wave and more normal temperatures have resumed. And more normal kind of showery spells or will we have repeats of those thunderstorms and some of those incredible images as well we saw today of lightning? Incredible, yeah. Yeah, no, no, they won't be repeated because uh, that was as the weather front moved in from the Atlantic, it clashed, uh, ignited those thunderstorms due to the very hot, humid air over. So that's now cleared away to the east. And in fact, for Britain tomorrow, they have the thunderstorms that we have today. Well, different ones, but the same weather setup. So the uh, status red uh, heat wave will have cleared uh, eastwards during tomorrow, but the thunderstorms are affecting. And then the heat wave moving on towards Belgium and they have in excess of 32 degrees. So it's moving eastwards, but the fresher Atlantic air is pushing in. A big relief there over Spain, Portugal and into France, a big relief tomorrow. Oh, so, so those temperatures that we've seen, those record-breaking temperatures right across the continent, they're all yeah. expected to, to begin to dip over the next few days? 
Yeah, and it's all thanks to Ireland because we're we're bringing in the fresher Atlantic air. So they'll all be very happy looking at our weather charts and that fresher air is pushing eastwards into Britain, into France and into Spain and Portugal. So great news there. Now it's still going to be remain quite hot, but the searing 45 degrees Celsius producing those widespread fires around Bordeaux, that is going to ease off. Yeah, and I know some of the scenes were kind of apocalyptic almost from uh, London as well today of houses burning. There have been Terrible. fires here in Ireland as well, some gorse fires. Yeah, and our, the Department of um, Agriculture issued a fire warning there a couple of days ago. The ground is quite dry and then with the high temperatures, anything can spark off a fire actually. Generally, it's uh, human induced, but a, a spark of lightning can set off a fire as well. So hopefully uh, tonight and tomorrow, the fire services will be safe and get those uh, under, under control. Um, but that warning stays out for the next few days. There's going to be a lot of dry weather actually, very little in the way of rain. The uh, Really the weekend, it looks like the more showery conditions, Kieran. Right, make the most of the next uh, few days, the message. Obviously, Evelyn, listen, a pleasure yeah. as always, uh, and thanks a million uh, thanks. for that. And Thank now, uh, with reports that antisocial behaviour in public transport is out of control and people fearing for their safety, what needs to be done to address the situation? For more on this, I'm joined here in studio by the Assistant General Secretary at the NBRU, Tom O'Connor, by Sinn Féin TD, Martin Kenny, Fianna Fáil TD, Neve Smith, and Dublin City Councillor, Mannix Flynn. Folks, you're all very welcome, and thanks a million for uh, coming in. Uh, Tom, if I can start with yourself, how, how significant an issue is this for you and your members? It's quite significant, Kieran. Uh, the NBRU have been calling for quite some time now, a number of years, we've been campaigning for the establishment of a dedicated Angarda Síochána uh, transport division uh, and this is to protect uh, staff uh, because the, the, the attacks against staff have increased but also to protect the, the general public and just to give you a, a flavour of some of those trends like Irish Rail for instance back in 2016 there was 492 incidents of antisocial behaviour last year that was 2,562 you see a five-fold increase in Irish Rail it was 140 to 160 partial or full containment of Dublin bus routes and over 100 incidents of uh, antisocial behaviour on the bus air network. And, and some of those incidents are, are quite serious. Like we've had staff have been physically assaulted, resulting in hospitalisation, uh, threats of being shot. We, we had one uh, very unfortunate uh, lady who was, was threatened with rape by a large gang. Uh, so people want to come to work and feel safe in that environment. And as well, we're looking at the, the, the clip previous there on, on the climate. You want to encourage people from their private car into public transport. And you can only do that when they feel safe. And, and we are strongly of the opinion that uh, a dedicated uh, transport police is the only solution. Well, I, I tell you, if, if, if that's the sense of, of how serious it is from the workers' point of view, what about the, the, the public? Our producer, Amy O'Brien, was out and about in Dublin today to gauge public reaction and to ask, if people do feel safe on public transport? Mainly like buses, I don't exactly feel safe on. It depends where you're coming from. Like I'm from Limerick, so then the long journeys, like you could be stuck on a bus then with anyone. There is that fear there all sometimes that you're, but I think it depends on the time of day. I wouldn't say I feel unsafe on public transport, but at the same time, it could be a bit safer. Like, But I wouldn't travel on the Lewis at night. We could do with more security on it anyway. I mean, it also depends on like who we are around it because 
honestly, there is still a thing like such as like racism that's happening that we've actually experienced. You'd feel safer, you might travel more, you might spend more money. It's cheaper than a taxi. To deal with the issue surrounding uh, the use of drugs and stuff, you know, we have to remember there's children using public transport as well and what they're exposed to. Like if there was more police, it might protect the public. It's not fair on drivers either, because they can't be responsible. Like, you know, they have to let people on. I've heard of people advising buses just because they don't really want to sit on it by themselves or they wouldn't go unless there's a group there. So I, I think it would be a good idea. Like I've never been involved in an incident, but because I heard them, I, it left me nervous, like, on my own. It's like late at night, not so much. You know, when I feel like it depends who's on the bus as well, you know. People giving you weird looks and then suddenly not safe. Definitely something that could be brought in there. Someone just on watch. Yeah. Definitely. I think there should be more. And I think the fines should be carried out. And some of them are getting off too easy. Martin Kenny, I suspect the concerns of some of those people speaking there might be eased if the government were to take up Tom's advice and establish yeah. either a dedicated transport police or a, a, a section within on Garda Siakana. What's you know, Sinn Féin's view? Yeah, it's, it's our position for some time that we need to have a dedicated public transport police service. And I think the way to do that, as you say, is to have a division of Angara the Shia Khan that would do that. Uh, I, I think, you know, it, it can't happen overnight. It's something that needs to be planned. We need to work out where will it be headquartered, how will command and control work, how will it link in with the Garda services that are there presently. All of that needs to be done in collaboration with the workers, with with the 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 various companies, and some of them are private companies and have private security there, they need to be kept on as well. But clearly the, the issue here is, you know, that public transport, and the point was made by Tom earlier that we need to get people out of their cars using more public transport. Public transport needs to be efficient and accessible and safe and affordable for people. Mm. And that's, that's how we get people to use it. And at present, people are not just, uh, uh, don't feel safe because or, or because the, 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 they have late hours at night or that sort of thing. At all times, people have expressed concerns. People see, you know, groups of people coming on that can be abusive towards drivers, can be abusive towards other passengers. We have open drug taking taking place on our, our Lewis lines, on, 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 on the various services across the Dublin bus as mm. well. You know, we have drug dealing taking place in, in open on, on buses as well. You know, we have all these issues. And the only way to deal with them is to have a proper public... Uh, police service in place that will deal with public transport and it will have a deterrent effect as well as having an effect to ensure that we can keep people safe and remind people that this service is there for them you know that when they pay their fare they mm. also pay a fare for to get to their destination but to get to the destination safely and i think the only way to do that is to have a proper police service that's in place to do that public police service which would be a division of Angarda Siakana. But as up to now, we understand that the Garda yeah. are resistant to that in, in the higher echelons of them. So we have a little bit of work to do to get them around yeah. to understand that that's what needs to happen. But clearly that needs to be legislated for to ensure that it does happen, and that needs to happen very quickly. Neve, will government legislate for it? Uh, well, I would hope so, Kieran. I know we've seen a lot of reports recently, um, and really disturbing <laughs> reports, you know. Um, and I don't think that the, or, the rural areas are immune to this either. I think we've seen a lot of reports of the more urban urban areas when this is happening. I think that that is also equally happening in probably bus stations and train stations in the more rural parts of the country. I have to say that the Dublin Fianna Fáil TDs have recently conducted a survey among the public to get feedback and, and gather, currently gathering information around the 
this particular topic and so strong has the feedback been that they've thrown that out nationally. Uh, I also am aware that mm. um, the chair of our Justice Committee, which both myself and Martin uh, sit on, James Lawless, he has actually called for a policing authority to be put in place. We know that the... In Britain, You're in government, Niamh. Yeah, to absolutely. remind you that, you know. I, I, you can, Kieran. That's why I'm yeah. saying I would hope that but this, this is... But surveys don't butter many parsnips. I mean, uh, Martin's right. Uh, the Gardaí themselves have been reluctant or resistant to this type of change. Uh, and by all accounts, you go through the Dáil statements, Helen McEntee, as Minister for Justice, seems to be towing the Garda line. Well, it will ultimately come down to the Department of Justice and the Minister and uh, the Commissioner to make that, uh, that decision. But I do understand that our committee is obviously going to investigate this a little bit further and this idea. I think the proof is in the pudding in terms of what they have in Britain. It has proven to work. And I know the TII recently carried out a survey um, walking, travelling in women's shoes and it showed that 37% of women feel unsafe to go on public transport. So the evidence is all there. We've heard from the workers. We cannot expect staff to police trains or buses or anything like that. And the time has come for an official state policing authority to be put in place because we as a government are wanting to push so people into... Time for Helen McEntee to act. To put, put people onto trains, to put people onto the buses. Mm. They're not going to get on it unless it's safe. Time, time, just time absolutely. for Helen McEntee yes, to act. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And what, 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 what has her response been as you've made these representations, as I'm sure you've had? Well, I mean... As I said, it does. There has to be a willingness from uh, Angar Shikona and the Commissioner. I'm also aware that it doesn't just have to be, or we don't have to depend on so that. Sorry, we so, have so Drew Harris the is revenue. the pushback. We, we, there's also arms of the state like revenue and so on that you know have enforcement uh, procedures and, and that in place. And I think that that's something we'll have to look at if Angar Shikona continue to resist. Yeah, I, I asked the question of Helen McEntee in leaders, or sorry, in, in ministers' questions. I think twice at this stage over the last couple of years in regard to uh, a public police service for our transport services, and each time she comes back saying that it's not necessary, that it's not the way the rule they want to go down, that the community police service is in place, and that that's adequate, and that a lot of the transport services have their own private security firms in place. That clearly mm. is not working. You know, and we need to recognise that. And, you know, I, I, I understand, you know, Neve is saying that, you know, the minister needs to act. No, the government needs to act. That's what needs to act here. Manix Flynn, dedicated transport police to solve the problem? Well, first of all, the word antisocial behaviour is highly inappropriate here. This is criminal behaviour. Yeah. These are people who will attack you. This, I just, tonight I got an email from residents in Creighton Street who are under siege by 12-year-olds who are carrying knives and hatchets. Next week, they could be carrying guns. This has been going on for a hell of a long time, far too long. It's not just the present government, but successive governments and successive ministers have failed entirely here. They failed young people who carry out this behaviour in older, and they've failed the society. The transport situation, which I'm on quite a lot, is absolutely appalling. I've seen some of the worst stuff on public transport. And I commend the workers there because they put up with a hell of a lot of stuff and there's nobody there. What, what type of things, Mannix? Assaults, abuse, the, the people on the trains, like jumping off, getting off the trains as quick as they possibly can because, again, the staff have been reduced. There's no more guards on them. It's just a driver. Maybe there's a ticket guy. Who knows what's there? So it can be pretty appalling. During the pandemic, there were plenty of guards on the trains, stopping people who weren't wearing masks. And that worked really well. During the pandemic, there were plenty of guards able to operate. The problem is, is that they were pulled off. So if you have a dedicated transport police... What's that going to do? The point of the matter is that this is actually doesn't just take place on transport. It's in our society. It's everywhere. It's unacceptable. And what needs to happen here is a zero tolerance. The guard need to arrest people. They need to take them into custody. They need to find them. I'm not suggesting jail. They need, we need, to, we need mm. to stand up to our young people and give them something to do. 12-year-olds carrying knives, 12-year-olds carrying drugs. 
12-year-olds carrying... Well, what does zero tolerance Z- look like when it's a 12-year-old carrying a hatchet? Like, you're not talking about locking up 12-year-olds. No, no, I'm not talking about locking a 12-year-old, but I'm talking about the services that are there. Don't forget there is the Department of Justice, there's juvenile liaison. There's a whole clatter. There's, there's a whole clatter of stuff there. There's also the NGOs. There's also community groups who are looking for resources. It can be dealt with. But the point of the matter is this. Ask yourself, why is this happening? Are these people under the influence of drugs? Are they under the influence of alcohol? Do they have mental health issues? What's going on here? So while we are going to deal with this, and we must deal with this, because I say at the end of the day, this is the society that we live in, and it's unacceptable. I travel the world, I travel all over the place. We need the guard on the street, we need them on the public transport, we need public order units in Temple Bar, on the transport, right across the country, because it's unacceptable. Elderly mm. people won't come out, young people won't come out, and at the end of the day, it is a situation for Angardashir Corner to deal with. Dublin City Council and the local authorities also yeah. must deal with and they failed entirely. So what this is at the moment, this is a major failing and we need to stand up to this. Dublin City Council, all the councils across the country need to stand up to this situation and all the Gardaí need to stand well, up to this. Well, well, the Gardaí, so just let me finish. The Gardaíshir Corner use public transport. The Gardaíshir Corner know what's going on. I speak to Angardashir Corner. They're ham-fisted. They're told, you know, unless it's a very serious incident, don't jump on board these, you know, buses and trains. Now, we had a problem, for instance, in Dublin Airport. You saw the footage. Yeah. Went on for 20 minutes. A major battle. Where was the security? Where was the police? There's a major failing here and we have to do well, it. For just Not for, just for, for the staff, but for, with the For police. what it's worth, uh, we have statements in from, from a couple of the transport companies. The Lewis say they work with all the stakeholders, as you'd imagine, the Gardaí and others, and they have very good connections with schools and youth groups, which touches on some of the points you were making. Uh, Mannix, they say their lines are safe uh, and a safe option for people in Dublin. Bus Air and as well say they don't tolerate any active, aggressive or abusive behaviour. And again, they work with all the stakeholders, including uh, on Garda Shia Khan. Uh, so, so they are working with the Gardaí uh, Tom, but uh, Mannix's point is was this is a deeper problem. It is a deeper problem, but the solution has to happen uh, as soon as possible because the staff are running out of patience. Actually, only this week there's another uh, assault in, in Crosshaven, another driver hospitalised, uh, out of work for, for, for weeks, two serious incidents in Navin, a uh, serious threatened assault in, in Parnell Square East. We need the establishment of uh, Garda Shea Public Transport Division now, uh, coupled with mandatory sentencing it's been mooted for, for, for a lot of years now that anyone that uh, attacks an ambulance, fire brigade, Garda, uh, rail or bus workers, there'll be mandatory sentencing against that. That, that needs to be brought in uh, mm-hmm. in parallel with uh, transport police. So it's the people that perpetrate these awful crimes, and it is criminal behaviour, <laughs> as Manic said, uh, are taken off the streets. And there's a visible trans- uh, police presence on all modes of public transport right across the country. We know where the hotspots are. No, mm. it's, it's easy. You don't have to spread yourself too thin. Uh, there's hotspots that, that anyone will tell you, that the bus routes and, and the, the towns or the streets uh, where there's like antisocial behaviour. Uh, uh, Navin, um, Tralee, uh, Tralee to Limerick, uh, uh, parts of Cork, uh, the 13 bus, the 27 bus, the 40 bus. Mm. Uh, the, the, that's where it happened. That's where you put your, your, your visible uh, transport police patrolling uh, the, the north side of the dark, some of the intercity uh, uh, yeah. It, 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 Neve, it seems remarkable that we're able to list off the exact routes where this is happening. We've got a representative from government here in studio who says, yeah, what we should do about it is set up a dedicated transport police. And yet no sign of it happening. 
Well, Kieran, I'm not trying to excuse the government in any way. We are in government for the last two years and only the last two years. I think Mannix has made the point that this is not this is a his, historical problem. Um, and the, as I said to you, that the, the chair of the Justice Committee has given a commitment that this is something we will delve into further to try and put forward and put the, the, the minister on uh, minister That's for justice. That's a bit justice. of a cop out now. It's Tw not a Twenty-four cop -out. months in, in government, you're saying well, what we've done is we've made a commitment and we've carried out a survey. No, no, no. I, I'm being truthful with you, Karen. I'm being truthful with you. The, the Fianna Fáil TDs uh, in Dublin have been very active on this, and not just over the last two years. Why we were in opposition to. We don't, and I'm not trying to obfuscate from this at all, we mm. don't hold a portfolio of justice, as you know, but I am saying to you that the Fianna Fáil chair of the Justice Finnegan Committee... Fine Gael as much the problem as Drew Harris, it sounds like. Why wasn't well, he in the programme for government? I, I would say that to you that um, the... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sorry, Karen. just what was your question? Well, just, it, it sounds like you're suggesting that Fine Gael are as much the problem as Drew Harris. Well, that I, there's I, a reluctance. Is there, let me put it very simply, is there a reluctance, do you think, in Fine Gael to do this? I can't answer that and I can't answer for Fine Gael. No, I didn't, ask, I didn't ask, is there, I said, do you think but there's I, a reluctance? But I do believe that it has to come from Angarda Shikano themselves. And if there is, as I said, if there is a complete unwillingness to do that, then government and minister will have to get on with establishing something of, of, of the state like revenue and other organisations that actually can enforce and police and the, their own right it's, uh, as itself for, for transport. I, I think, first of all, what's, what's required is there's going to have to be staff. You know, you're going to have to take probably at least for, for Dublin City, we'll say just as a start, and we understand it's a problem in many areas as well. You probably have to take about 300 Gardaí and transfer them over into a public transport police service. And that would mean that you have to backfill that with more Garda train for to take up the police, the positions that they are going to vacate to do that. Now, if you do that, it means you're going to have Garda on buses, you're going to have Garda on trains, you're going to have Garda on trams, you're going to have Garda on the Lewis stops, you're going to have them in the areas where people congregate, where these problems are. And as Thomas said, you can, you can target the places where, where the worst of it is. 
That doesn't mean that you're not going to be everywhere and, and be as much as possible, give people a sense of security mm. in all parts of the city. I think the first thing to do would be to establish it as a pilot programme probably here in Dublin City and then after that look further. But it needs to happen. And I, and I don't yeah. think, you know, saying that, you know, we've looked at it for a number of years now and we're only two years in government is good enough. I mean, if it was a priority, it should have been in the programme for government uh, and it wasn't. Mannix, the, the budget that the Gardaí operate with has never been bigger in the history of the state. Uh, I mean, it'd have to expand again, wouldn't it, to do something like this? I, I, you know, I, there is I, no magic money tree. No, I, and, and I think that that's necessary. I think when you look at the domestic violence issue, which is now top of the table, and the minister has put in, you know, you know, a hundred and odd million euros into it, and after a long period of time of people suffering appalling abuse in their homes, now these people are suffering that abuse for a long period of time on our streets and on our public transport. The Minister for Justice is personally responsible as the Minister. The Department of Justice and indeed the Commissioner of Angarity Economy should step up to the mark here and no mamby-pamby policing like Operation Citizen telling us that it's all a perception in our heads when in actual fact the citizens are full of fear and there's other people who are actually full of wounds from the violence attacks. We need to confront this and we need to stop it now and yeah. we need the resources put into place. This is not a yeah. minor issue. This is a serious issue, not just with workers, but with the yeah, public. It is a serious issue, which means and we need sure the we, to do we will that. come back to it, I have no doubt. My thanks to Mannix and to Tom. The rest of the panel will be staying with me. After the break, the cashless banks, are they the future of banking? Stay with us. Very welcome back. Now, there was big news in the Irish banking market this morning with AIB announcing it is going to turn 70 of its 170 branches into cashless outlets as a result of what it has claimed is declining demand for these services. But is this the right move? Sinn Féin's Martin Kenny and Fianna Fáil's Neve Smith have stayed with me, joined now by the journalist Sinead Ryan and senior public affairs and policy specialist with Age Action. Nat O'Connor, folks, you're very welcome. Uh, Sinead, what, what exactly is a cashless banking oh, outlet? What, what is this and, and why is it happening? I mean, look, why is it happening? Because AIB don't want to be spending the money on branches. And, uh, you know, they're going to kind of marry, keep these branches open, but they're not going to provide useful services. Uh, I, I think the timing of this, Kieran, is absolutely curious. Like, it's really, really weird here. Here they are trying to take over company uh, uh, customers from Ulster Bank and KBC. And at the same time, they're saying to two cohorts of customers, we really, really don't want you. Uh, and that they are SMEs who rely on coins and cash for late night businesses like pubs and restaurants and bars and other things. Uh, and over 65s. Now, over 65s, it seems to me, are a completely dispensable customer to AIB. They don't want them. They have money, Cash on deposit, they don't want that. They don't pay bank fees, so they're a loss. Mm. Uh, they don't want them going into branches. And, and this is going to hugely affect people. Like my mum, who I spent the last two months, she's nearly 85, transferring her from Ulster Bank to AIB to a branch she specifically chose because it is a branch. 
she wants to be able now, to. Now, I'm sure AIB would say that should she go in in the future into this cashless branch, there would be people there to assist her doing everything but digitally. Hold on. Hold on. I don't think it's their Why official would, policy to chase away everyone over 65. Sorry, Mum, if you're listening, sorry, Mum, I have to tell you, your branch is on the list. So from here on in, they don't want you as a customer. It means that I now have to go with her. She's not going to go online. She's not going to be digitalised in a hub somewhere and she doesn't want a stranger doing her business with her. So they don't want her, yet she wants a branch. Now, that is not on. Now... Are AIB a social service? No, they're not. But what they're effectively saying to my mum and all of the other older people out there is shag off and use the post office. And I don't think that's fair when we own most of that bank still. Uh, Nat, I assume you would be in full agreement with much of what <laughs> Sinead has just said. Well, largely, absolutely. I mean, cash matters to a lot of people. And you'll have some older people who are using the internet who are quite happy with online banking, but you'll have many who are not. And we know from the Department of Finance's own surveys that more than half of older people are going into their branch at least once a month, if not more regularly. Many people are paying their bills in the bank. And of course, having the cash lets you manage your life. So if you're not, not using the internet, you can't check your balance online. You can't necessarily manage your affairs through tapping or through having everything, you know, cashless. People like to have the ability to get their cash. And of course, if the branch goes cashless, it means there's no ATM. So if you do find an ATM, it might be a private one, you're paying extra fees out of your pension every week just to get access to your, your pension, modest enough as it is. So it's a real important thing for many, many people that they have access to cash so they can go about their lives. And these are often loyal customers mm. for 50, 60 years who are now told, well, you know, we've made the profit out of you and now we're not going to provide you with the service for the, you know, for the remainder of your life. And that's just, it's very unfair to many people. And, and we know because uh, there's been much coverage of it on this show and elsewhere uh, that I suppose an option for them is to switch banks. Switching banks is not easy as well. And it's often very hard to do that with a person. You're expected to do much of it where? Online. Well, absolutely. And if you're not online, and we know that, you know, certainly at least half of older persons are not, you know, they don't have the skills to be online to do this level of online activity, then what are they meant to do? And not everybody has children and certainly many people don't want to be relying on other people. They want to be independent, living their lives, and they, they don't want to have to rely on someone else to help them out. And of course, on the hard edge of that, there's a risk of fraud, there's a risk of abuse if people are having to share their private information with other people. So that's, that's a real concern. And Neve, the uh, pillar banks, they really treat us like fools, don't they? I mean, they close branches to suit themselves, they charge us the highest interest rates in Europe, they make it incredibly difficult to switch bank when people are forced to switch bank. Mm -hmm. And now this. Mm, well, I have to say, uh, somebody who had asked me to help them to do that very job of who, you know, to open an account in AIB. We went in uh, into an AIB not too far from where I am and we were told we'd have six, eight, to wait six or eight weeks to actually get an appointment to sit down and open an account. And we did go across the road to another bank and it wasn't the case. They were able to do it within a couple of days. But like in my own constituency of Castle Blaney where I have an office and there is a hive of activity on the main street. There's lots of farmers living in the local area. There's lots of old Older people in the local area, the demographic is really mixed. It is really irreprehensible to do such a thing because they've already lost um, Bank of Ireland in, in Castleblane. The only ATM left in the town uh, is AIB. And we're actually down to now credit unions and post offices. That's what we're down to. Mm. Carrot Cross is the same. It's mm. another of these uh, 70 banks that's going to be cashless. And again, it's, it's a bank actually I, I go into quite a lot myself. It's in the centre of the town. Very nice staff there. But there's always been uh, this kind of 
uh, intent to, to push people onto machines and you know get them to be online and to use the apps. But absolutely, there's a mm. whole generation of people that will never do that and don't trust that. And it really feeds into this mistrust that there is already there around the pillar banks yeah. and around banks that, that really push people out of their front door. And Martin, unconscious to be people yeah. listening to this who uh, think, well, for them, that they still have a post office in the couple of places that, that Niamh mentioned because others won't even have that option. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people out there that are, are, are really in, in trouble today. Small businesses particularly, yeah. you know, as mentioned earlier on, you know, an awful lot of small businesses, pubs, restaurants, shops, they, they used to go on a particular morning, get all their, their, their coin, do all of that. Now that's been pushed maybe another 10 or 15 miles away further for them to do it. And the, when they go to those other branches now, that means that the amount of, of people that are coming to get that service has doubled or tripled, and that's going to get away busier. So, you know, it's, it's putting huge pressure on, on people across the whole country. It's, it's just, I, I think, another sense of, 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 of particularly rural areas and more isolated areas being abandoned by corporate sector, by particularly the banking sector. Uh, we've seen not that long ago, I've seen beside me and Drumshamble, Bank of Ireland closed, Manor Hamilton, Bank of Ireland closed. Now we see that the AIB in Balnamore, which is beside me as well, is, is going cashless. That means that the ATM is going to be gone. The only other ATM in the town is in, in, in a shop which closes at a particular time in the evening. So if, if people want to go to take money out of an ATM, there isn't going to be one available. The post office is only open certain hours as well. You know, it, it's just, it's just a, a ridiculous situation that the banks can do this. The fact is, the state owns a big portion yeah. of AIB as well. And I think that the government should be bringing a bit of pressure to yield there for to ensure but, but, that, that they do actually provide a public service. Because yeah. they, I know they're, they're, they're a business, but they have a, they have a responsibility to the public as well. To, because at the end of the day, the state and the taxpayer came to their rescue when they were needed. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's Niamh, outrageous that they would carry on like this now. There'll be to haul in the head of the banks and different governors and whatnot uh, before a Rockless committee. So it won't make a blind bit of difference, though, will it? Well, They'll do what they want. I know that lots of people, including myself, would have been hoping that, that the Minister for uh, Finance would have been able to intervene in something like this. But sadly, the Department of Finance have issued a statement this morning to say that he cannot uh, interfere with their operations or strategic moves like this. And it is really disappointing, really disappointing. Well, I'll tell you what the Minister can do, uh, because he was quick enough uh, to make sure that salaries were capped after we spent €22.5 billion Euros bailing out the likes of AIB and, of course, the others. Uh, so we own it well enough for him to cap salaries, but not enough that he can actually uh, direct that some operations are preserved. And bear in mind, we still own over 60% of this bank as a taxpayer. Sure. Um, so I do think it is a little churlish not to intervene. Mm -hmm. And by the way, AIB didn't even put up a spokes for the media around this morning. So they're just going to let they, this they, storm they, roll over the and, and carry from on. The, the consumer's point of view, isn't it, Sinead, is that they can act that way with impunity because oh, what option do we have? Correct. And, and if there's nobody willing to kind of step in and say... Uh, I mean, Pascal Donoghue is the key shareholder of this bank and remains so. So, you know, imagine a private business where one shareholder owned two-thirds of the business and they said, look, we couldn't possibly step in and, and have a word with them and tell them what to do. Like, that's utter errant nonsense. Uh, of, of course they can bring pressure to bear. They, the, the entire... Uh, various Oireachtas committees got together and, and called for the heads of insurance companies uh, to, late, too late, too little, to deal with motor insurance, to deal with price walking. Um, Central Bank regularly hauls in the heads of banks. So, you know, I do think there is a role here for, for government. Tom? Yeah. Moreover, there's, there's an issue that the, the Minister for Finance has done a banking review. Uh, he's just recently had a forum. He's brought all the stakeholders together. The issue of older people being left out was really a, a concern that came out of that. So 
Me, on one hand, he's, he's having these conversations. There's been a public consultation. Many people have written in. And AIB has jumped the gun by, by making this move towards the, the, everything being cashless. So there is a role for the state to shape a banking system. And the post offices and the credit unions will have a role. They'll work for some people. But that's not a complete banking service. So it's entirely within the power of the, both the central bank as regulator mm. and the Minister for Finance to put shape on our banking system. We're down to just three banks. We and is your fear now that, that, that where AIB go, the other banks will follow? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, 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 we're now, you know, it's, it's not far off half their branches have gone cashless. So, you know, how, where, how far does this go before, you know, you just can't get access to cash without paying fees every time you want to take out your money? I'll tell you what AIB should now be concerned about because it seems to me they have cut away customers they don't want by these actions. So what they're left with are the customers they do want and they're the customers who are moneyed and prepared to get into debt. They want to sell them credit cards, they want to sell them insurance, they want to sell them mortgages and they want to sell them loans. They cannot now be surprised, Kieran, if those customers up sticks and go to the likes of Revolut, where they are wanted, um, and they're providing exactly the same service. So this idea of, well, we want to focus on our core business. Well, do you know what? Maybe the customers don't care about your core business anymore. Is that who's going to solve the problem for us then? By proxy, Neve, is it N26 and Revolut? Well, I think there is a whole generation moving to Revolut, all right. Um, I, I just think it is a point to see that announcement this morning. And I can understand people's frustration in terms of where the government and where the minister would sit around this. I think interventions will be needed down the road because we will be left with no banking system. <laughs> the post office have been crying out for a very long time before now to actually be given more services. And I think AIB are taking total advantage of uh, the spin that they're opening their, their doors to be able to provide people with more information around opening accounts and on the backs of yeah. the closure of Ulster Bank and so on. I think it's just opportunists to do this and yeah. really the people in rural Ireland, the SMEs, the older people will be worse affected. All right, we will leave it there. My thanks to the panel. After the break, Benefer have finally tied the knot. But why are people criticising JLo's decision to take her husband's surname? Stay with us. Very welcome back. We did it. Those were the words superstar Jennifer Lopez used to share with her followers that she had married her on-off partner of 20 years, Ben Affleck, at the famous Little White Wedding Chapel in Las Vegas. But why 20 years on are we so fascinated by this Hollywood power couple? Well, for more on this, I'm joined here in studio by FM 104 broadcaster Emma Nolan and from New York, correspondent Will Deniso. Will, what can you tell us about these nuptials? Yeah, well, it was somewhat of a low-key affair, Kim, which is in stark contrast to the wedding that was planned between the celebrity couple way back in 2003 that was eventually postponed, and then their relationship was called off 
altogether. Now, what we understand of what occurred in Las Vegas at the Little White Wedding Chapel is that J-Lo went through two, um, two dress changes. Uh, she says that one of the dresses worn was from an old movie. She said that the white tuxedo jacket that Ben Affleck was wearing was simply a one that he threw on that was already uh, in his closet somewhere. We know that they t had a bit of a photo shoot in a pink Cadillac that's rumoured to be one owned uh, by the late Elvis Presley as well. Now, she had rather sweet sentiment when they tied the knot. She said, when, with regards to that 20-year period since they first met and first started courting, she said, we did it, love is beautiful, love is kind, and it turns out that love is patient, 20 years patient. Had there any celebrity guests with them? Do we know who the best man was, who the chief bridesmaid? Well, what we do know is that all their children uh, were in attendance, of course. Ben Affleck had three children with uh, the actress Jennifer Garner, uh, they are in attendance, as well as Jennifer Lopez's twins as well that she had back with, uh, with her first husband, Mark Antony. She has now tied the knot uh, some four times. And one thing that will certainly be of a slight surprise to uh, many here in the US is that Jennifer Lopez is taking Ben Affleck's surname. It's estimated that around 70% of those in the US uh, do take a husband's name, but considering her celebrity, considering the fact that J-Lo uh, is such a, a famous brand now for Jennifer Lopez, uh, both with her acting and singing career, perhaps that coming is somewhat of a surprise for some. But one thing that perhaps is for certain, Kieran, of course, for weddings, and as J-Lo says herself, it doesn't matter how many rocks that she's got, she may be changing her name, but she will remain Jenny, Jenny from the block. Of course, a reference to her being from right here in New York City. Listen, well, uh, thanks a million uh, for that. Uh, will Denislow there from New York. Uh, Emma, did uh, J-Lo, did she strike a blow for the patriarchy? So, Jennifer, well... ba uh, Jennifer Affleck. I think it works for her. And what I really like about this in particular is it's very clearly JLo's decision. And she's had long enough to think about it and make a decision <laughs> on it and consider, does that have a ring to it? And do I like the sound of it? Um, I do think, as it was said there, brand JLo is alive and well and she'll forever be known to us as JLo. But maybe in her personal life, she just wanted to, um, you know, celebrate that level of tradition. Yeah, when she's ringing up the school, I mean, you know, to, to, to complain about a teacher, it'll be Mrs. Affleck or whatever is exactly. on the phone. But we, 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 she is such a brand. It she will is. be I was thinking about this, like Kanye West legally changed his name to Ye in recent months and none of us seem to be able to get our heads around the Prince, fact that I think Prince Ye. was a symbol for a while that looked like yeah. an upside down guitar. <laughs> exactly. J-Lo will be J-Lo and as I said, 20 years on, uh, I, I highly doubt Ben Affleck kind of forced her into any decision and it was her choice. And I think that once in today's world, you know, women have a choice in the matter, then do what you've got to do. Uh, despite that, it is something of a surprise she did it. You, do, you don't often yes. hear it. I know I Will made the point that at 70% of couples in the States, the wife will take the husband's mm. name. Uh, it, it's rare in celebrity circles, isn't it? It is. And the fact that she made such a point of it too, to come straight back the next day, post the Instagram, I'm married, we did it, and to sign off uh, with, with the new name. It was quite a statement to say, this is just the way it is now and, and this is, you know, how we're going through with it. But I think it is quite interesting that, uh, you know, when they were first together all those years ago, the press obviously were hounding them. They were like the hottest celebrity couple at their time. 
Whereas now, um, they can kind of control their own narrative and JLo kind of spinning these webs of, of information on her own website and her own newsletter. It's a very interesting way for them to be able to control the paparazzi themselves. Hence, you know, I was hearing somebody say earlier, how do they get away with Vegas you know, on a Saturday? And they weren't, you know, surrounded by paparazzi. And they, someone said, well, in that heat in Vegas on a Saturday, paparazzi don't want to follow celebrities around, oh, yeah. you know? Um, but the fact, too, that they married with other regular people, like any of the rest of us, in a queue, in a chapel, and uh, the emphasis on reused fashion and stuff. Um, I'm sure the rock costs a lot, but she did say her love don't cost a thing. So it did cross <laughs> my mind. I mean, they, they do join as well a long list of couples who've tied the knot in Vegas, celebrity couples included. Not all with happy endings, it has to be said, those rushed weddings in Vegas. I think there's a lot of pressure on them to make this work because people are so <laughs> believing this love story now, you know, that 20 years on, there's still a flame there. You do have to feel for the people that they were with in the meantime because clearly along the way, they were still on each other's minds to some degree, you know, after 20 years for there's still to be so much love there. But um, yeah, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. There is kind of a fascination there, isn't there for, for, I mean, with the general public, not just for this couple, but these big yeah. Hollywood superstars getting together. Totally. And these, these were superstars when they got together. And that's why I think people of my age group and older as well, we remember them the first time around and we've grown up with them and watched their lives develop and then slowly see them wangle their way back to one another. So I think from that point of view, when, you, when you're with someone the whole way through and see the kind of full circle moment and everything that's happened in the meantime, it, 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 it's a story that seems to mean a lot to people. And I think it's that idea of... You know, love love works in mysterious ways. Yeah, I mean, the the double barrel surname had been a proposal as well uh, from some. Yes, M might that have been a more egalitarian approach? Some people online were suggesting that maybe she she mix it up and do a little bit of both. So J Lo, and then use a bit of Af. So just call her J Loaf. <laughs> but I'm not sure that was going to work. Uh, Jay Loaf, Jaffa. I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure either. Uh, Emma, well, listen, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, uh, for that. Uh, that's it from me. And my thanks to Emma Nolan, Claire Brock. She will be here tomorrow night from all uh, from the late team here in Virgin. Good night and take care. Virgin Media Originals podcast series.